American swimmer and women's rights advocate Riley Gaines slams a University of British Columbia journalism professor who advocated exposing kids to adult genitals. Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson threatens to pull billions in funding for provinces that refuse to comply with the Fed's clean electricity laws. A Toronto-area food bank reports 95% of its users are not born in Canada. Hello Canada, it's Wednesday, August 9th, and this is True North's Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. American swimmer and women's rights advocate Riley Gaines slammed University of British Columbia journalism professor Dr. Katya Thiem after she said children should be exposed to adult genitalia to prepare them for the possibility of seeing naked transgender people in locker rooms. As previously reported by True North Thiem, who uses she-they pronouns, wrote on Twitter, quote, Hey, want to know one of my all-time excellent parenting ideas? Let little children see penises and vulvas of various ages and sizes in a casual, normalized, totally safe way. The world will thank you for it, and so will those children when they grow up. In response to theme, Gaines wrote, quote, You are deranged and should be in prison. If you need a guest lecturer for your course, let me know. In the meantime, someone should check her search history. The UBC professor made the controversial comments in a X, also formerly known as Twitter, thread, criticizing Gaines after she stood with 16-year-old Illinois swimmer Abigail Wheeler, who was accused of hate speech, after she protested the presence of a biological male in the women's locker room at her local YMCA. Theme claimed that incidents involving women who are uncomfortable after encountering biological males in change rooms fuel anti-trans activism. Theme also warned transgender athletes using female change rooms that, quote, one day one of the white conservative girls will decide to make a public career out of having seen you naked. So, a lot of the commentary I've seen on this issue uh, has been about the culture war angle, about this, you know, woke takeover that we see everywhere. But it's really interesting to see this approach from the angle of sports, which I think is one of the most important angles of, of biological men entering uh, women's competitive sports. And I'm happy to see Riley Gaines bring this up because she's such a central figure in that. So my question to you, Lindsay, would be, do you think through all this culture war conversation and it being dominated by that, do you think we often overlook the issue of women's sports? Yeah, you know, Cosman, I was on mat leave um, during the time when we this debate really started heating up about biological males, aka trans women in women's sports. And Riley Gaines seemed to really come out of nowhere. And it's, I really love to see it, you know, reclaiming women's sport, bringing home the message that 
women's sport is for women, not for biological men who are mediocre in their own gender category. I think what's appealing about Riley Gaines is she's all American. She's like an alpha female. And then you have this meek little Dr. Katya team at UBC who's um, a subpar researcher and like tweeting things about little kids seeing naked bodies. And it's just, which team do you want to be on? You know, Riley Gaines or Katya team. And, you know, when team is saying, oh, one one day one of the white conservative girls is going to make a public career out of having seen you naked. It's just ridiculous how this professor is minimizing the issue. Also choosing to kind of demean Riley Gaines based on her political affiliation, her race. And yeah, like I said, minimizing the issue. It's not her public career is not out of seeing a biological male naked in the change room in women's swimming. The issue is women having their own sport where they can succeed and where they can show their skills and not be overtaken by biological males who feel entitled to take their spaces. Minister of Natural Resources Jonathan Wilkinson is threatening to pull billions in federal funding from provinces that refuse to comply with the Liberal government's pledge to have a non-emitting electricity grid across the country by 2035. Wilkinson's remarks are the latest in a series of threats from federal officials concerning the incoming clean electricity standard, which provinces like Alberta and Saskatchewan have labeled as unrealistic and an infringement on provincial sovereignty. According to Wilkinson, his government is considering barring non-compliant provinces from a 15% investment tax credit and a $3 billion fund for renewable energy. Wilkinson told the Canadian press, quote, We certainly are considering that, but there is obviously consultation that's going on with respect to the investment tax credits. We want to hear from people. We also want to think about if we're going to put those kinds of constraints or strings on those things, how we best do that. End quote. Critics of the policy say that the federal government is overreaching when it comes to power regulation, which is traditionally left up to the provinces, and that completely cutting out coal or gas power is not possible for provinces that lack other options. A recent report by the Federal Parliamentary Budget Officer found that as a result of the incoming regulations, Canadian families could pay up to $1,008 extra. Canadians can expect an early draft of the regulations to be released soon. Cosman, is this an appropriate time to be releasing even more environmental regulations on Canadians? Look, the affordability crisis is a very real thing. Canadians are struggling, and we've seen from the Parliamentary Budget Office that these kinds of climate change initiatives cost the taxpayer money. This is a, a, a thousand extra dollars every year just to be able to afford electricity. This is also the case with the uh, carbon tax, which the federal government has claimed to be revenue neutral, uh, by that meaning that money is going back to Canadians. But this is simply not the case for most people. We're actually paying more than we are receiving from rebates. I also find it very, very interesting that a government that claims to reach a consensus on how to tackle climate change is using these very aggressive tactics to get provinces to comply by potentially invading on provincial jurisdiction on things such as power regulation. I mean, energy grids have always been the domain of the provinces. Every province has its own electricity regulator. So for the government to come in and say, no, you can't use X, Y as this as a form of electricity, 
is a serious problem and will be faced with constitutional challenges. Cosman, this isn't the first time the government has threatened to withhold funding over its environmental agenda, is it? So it's not just cutting funds that they've threatened in the past. They've gone well beyond that. In May, Environment Minister Stephen Guilbeault even threatened the potential of criminal sanctions under the criminal code. In response to reporters, he said, we've regulated the ban on coal through the Canadian Environmental Protection Act, which is a criminal tool that the federal government has. So not complying with this regulation would be a violation of Canada's criminal code. So with the clean uh, electricity regulations that they're going to present soon, on the one hand, you have them dangling this stick of, of uh, you know, tax subsidies and, and different uh, grants to help provinces uh, reach these demands. But on the other hand, they're trying to force compliance through these aggressive tactics of, of threats, intimidation, and, uh, you know, almost coercion. It's almost like they're looking for a fight with the provinces, particularly Saskatchewan and Alberta. And I think, I hope, that those provinces are ready to have a prolonged battle over this. Because we've seen the courts side with the federal government on the carbon tax issue. But this issue itself is quite a little bit different. And that has to do with who has jurisdiction over power regulation. And I think tradition uh, and law has shown that this has been the domain of the provincial government. But we will have to see where this goes. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A Toronto-area food bank is sounding the alarm after it witnessed a dramatic increase in new clients, a vast majority of which were new immigrants. According to Feed Scarborough, visits to its five locations across the region have spiked by 112% in the past year. A total of 95% of those relying on Feed Scarborough were not born in the country, while 72% had only been in Canada a year or less. A report by the organization also found that 28% of those accessing its services were employed currently, while another 65% were students. Clients cited low income as one of the main reasons behind why they had to resort to visiting a food bank. Food bank usage has also extended to rural parts of Ontario. Several organizations serving Simcoe County have also reported record rates of new visitors. I think if you were to speak to most immigrants, they would eventually tell you that they never realized how unaffordable it is to live in Canada. You just look at rents, you look at the median income of newcomers, and none of it adds up. It's simply not possible, uh, or at least very, very difficult, to live an acceptable life as a newcomer in this country due to the housing crisis and, and an affordability crisis. So, Lindsay, I would ask you, has the Canadian government here sold immigrants and, and those abroad a false image about what it means coming to Canada? 
Absolutely. It's shameful. And we don't even know what kind of advertising goes on in India to and, and other countries to, you know, try to lie to people and tell them that it's so desirable to live in Canada and all your dreams will come true. You just have to work hard. Well, that's not the reality anymore. You can work hard in Canada and maybe just kind of barely scrape by. You're right. And my family uh, immigrated here in 2003 when I was about seven or eight years old. And back then in Kitchener, it cost about $1,000 or so to rent a three-bedroom apartment for a family in that city. Now, that costs well over $2,500. I think maybe even $3,000, depending on where you're living. So back then, my parents, you know, who were newcomers, they were trying to get their professional certifications to do what they did back home. Uh, they were able to support us uh, in, in an apartment by working, you know, cleaning jobs at night while they went to school during the day. Is that dream possible anymore? Well, Cosman, we know from Feed Scarborough's report that about 28% of those accessing its services were employed. Um, 65% were students, uh, presumably international students. If you were to go on YouTube right now and in the search bar you type free food Canada international student, you're actually going to get a lot of results from uh, international students living in Canada who are directing other international students on how to get, you know, their freebies in Canada. So I think some of this might come down to different understandings of what a food bank is for. And maybe that definition is actually in flux. You know, for me, as someone who was born in Canada, my understanding of a food bank is, you know, this is somewhere where people go when they are destitute, when they have no other options. This is a last resort and they are kind of at rock bottom. However, for an international student from India, they might see, you know, a pamphlet at their university that says, are you in need of food? Uh, go to this food bank. And they might think, oh, okay, free food and that's being offered to me. Why wouldn't I take it? Sure. Um, so I think some of it might come down to those cultural understandings. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's it for today, and don't forget to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. And if you're able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news. Thanks for listening, and have a great day.